Hello, sinners, and welcome back to a brand new spanking episode of Art Submit on Sin 90.7 FM. My name's Nick, and fasten up your seatbelts, listeners, because I'm about to present to you all with something big coming up on the show. I figured with the comedy festival just around the corner, why not? Let's get her down for a chat. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about a new show she'll be performing, or the fact that she's a law graduate, or about the time she got locked in New Zealand with her family for five months. Or maybe we just get started already and actually ask her to spill the beans. When I got told I was going to interview this absolute legend, I was nothing short of buzzing. So without further ado, you have seen her on the tally. She has sold out festival runs at Sydney Comedy Festival. She's a state finalist for Royal Comedy. She has performed all around the world, written for the Project New Zealand and so such as Seven Days, the Law Society Journal, as well as the legendary Will Anderson's panel show, Question Everything. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Floyd Alexander Hunt, hello. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So, Floyd, it's an absolute pleasure, like I mentioned, having you on the show today. Being a massive lover of stand-up comedy, but more so the live art scene itself, I just want to personally say thank you for doing what you do and helping bring stand-up comedy as well as the live art scene back to life after disaster, one would call a pandemic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just doing the Lord's work, obviously, you know, forget first uh, line work- workers, we're, we're the real heroes. <laughs> yep. Love the honesty. <laughs> Completely agree. <laughs> well, Highly Strong is the title of your brand new show that you're going to be performing all over the country this year. Notably at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival that's kickstarting later this month in March. Tell us, how did the title Highly Strong come about and what can we expect from the show? Uh, so the title came about that I had a previous title that I then had a breakdown about and was like this is a terrible title and I changed it um you know like all my good processes uh, and it is essentially I'm a quite an anxious person so I guess it plays on that but also uh I will play a little bit of violin in it so there is a you know there's a pun for you just to start off <laughs> versatile as well I like it I like it yeah So a little birdie once told me that an ex-boyfriend of yours referred to you once as unlovable and you hit back stating that he believes Love Actually is a good movie. So tell us, Lloyd, what is your go-to film? And if there was a biopic of Floyd Alexander Hunt in the future, who would you want playing the part of Floyd yourself? And if you want to mention maybe your ex. Okay. Um, Hmm. Wait, what's my favourite movie? Was that the first? Yeah. Okay, my favourite movie would be i uh, it would be a draw between i love 10 things i hate about you great movie and um classic oh i do love the sound of music but yeah i know yeah. that's classic. Not I like it. yeah it's a classic i yeah. mean it goes too long it's like five hours long but you know love it. um and oh yeah biopic playing me no definitely wouldn't want to play myself absolutely not uh i'm hoping someone much younger would be playing me um you know, someone with no no frown lines. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Hmm, I'll have to think about that. It's funny, my, my boyfriend, he's Indian and his parents think literally every white person on TV looks like me. So <laughs> they would just be like, yeah, anyone, Michael Jackson, anyone, they can all play her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would, you know, in an ideal world, like Florence Pugh or someone even younger, someone yeah, who I'm hasn't been born, someone who hasn't been born, that's the aim. Yeah. <laughs> A future Oscar winner. 
Yeah, my ex. I definitely wouldn't want my ex playing my ex. I don't want to give him any more exposure than yeah. he's getting. Yeah. And um, well, I guess if I'm not playing myself, then I don't really care who it is because it's not like I get to kiss them. So you know, <laughs> someone, someone with a good accent, not not a bad accent. Yeah, definitely. You have to be able to do a Kiwi accent well. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, being a comedian, writer, performer, and a law graduate, for just saying that it's exhausting, please tell us, do you ever have any time for yourself to just maybe recharge, uh, maybe a little bit of Netflix and chill on the side, or is it just strictly business? Um, I definitely definitely have time to chill. I am incapable of chilling because of um, anxiety. However, uh, I finished my law degree, so that I finished that in 2020 during the pandemic so i've actually since then had a lot more time uh just doing comedy stuff now so it's it's not too bad i definitely watched my fair share of netflix um and yeah no i'm happy to leave the law 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 behind that was taking up too much time yeah the comedy it's 10 minutes on stage i can do it that's fine and then rest of the day day, i can stress about those 10 minutes you know (laughs) well having performed Salat shows on your debut at the Sydney Comedy Festival on top of successful runs at other various comedy festivals such as the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Does that sort of success add a bit of so-called pressure when writing your next show or going into your next performance? Um, yeah, I definitely to write new stuff because I'm hoping all the people who came to my show certainly in Sydney that they come again. Uh, so I was like, well, I really, I really can't be relying on old jokes. I've got to write all new. So um, that's a little bit of pressure. And it's actually my first. So I did Comedy Zone last year in Melbourne, which is like the festival um, do like a showcase of five up and coming comedians. So I actually had to do like 10 minutes each night for that show. So it was quite a nice like little baby step. Uh, into comedy it's like going to college at uni or something um but so I, I'm excited but nervous about doing a full run at Melbourne uh, given it's my first time doing a solo show there for the month um so yeah I've got a lot of tickets to sell yeah. <laughs> get on to it well mentioning the recent lockdowns again how did you cope with it all since being in the live arts industry did you utilize your time creating more content or just bludge out and join in on the race with everyone else as to who could watch all of YouTube first. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I did. I don't have YouTube like without ads. So I definitely, That's I can't nice. watch YouTube on stock because I'm like, oh my God, I'm too stingy to pay for the ad free version. So I definitely wasn't watching that much YouTube. Um, I did write stuff during lockdown, whether it was good, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I needed to just to stop myself going stir crazy. My partner and I, we actually got stuck in last year's lockdown living in New Zealand. We went to see my family for like two weeks uh, in June and then uh, the lockdown happened and the border shut and we were there for yeah five, five months with my dad and my teenage sister. So that was, um, and I don't, I don't know how much they loved us having, having us there, but um, so I did that. And then I ended up working on the New Zealand project while I was there, which was sort of, um, yeah, that was so great just because I was obviously there and didn't have, I couldn't perform live stand up. So I was just writing jokes for, for people on the news, you know. For the project, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, in 2020, you got nominated for the best young writer for a comedy series in the show Law Society Journal at the New South Wales Publishing Awards. Just quietly, that is an absolutely massive achievement, might I just add. 
did getting nominated boost your confidence in such a way and give you that extra bit of motivation to focus more on the writing aspect of your career? Um, hmm. Not sure. I think you need to have experienced unconditional love from your parents to have confidence. So I definitely, I don't have that. But um, I think the fact, uh, yeah, no, it was definitely, I was definitely happy to. I think it's, it just made me realize, oh, maybe lawyers aren't that funny. Because I was like, uh, okay. But um, yeah, it, it's, I've definitely gotten more into it in the last few years, especially since then. I was writing quite like niche legal comedy articles, um, carved a sort of like little niche for myself so now now i do yeah sure i do my legal comedy for the lawyers but if you come see my stand-up it's it's more you don't have to have done law it's nothing about law yeah do you do a lot of uh corporate gigs and all that stuff to like law firms or like maybe just as i've been told the worst kind of audience real estate agents i have done some i've never done so i've never done any to real estate agents yeah. i have done like they have this um I actually have like a law comedy speech competition every year in the law societies around Australia. And that's actually how I got into stand up because I did that. You get like, you get a topic and you have 24 hours to write it. And I did that and was like funny. But again, I was just compared to lawyers. So they were like, this is hilarious, but it's a real low bar. Um, And then I was like, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could write stand up. So that's, that's sort of how I got into it. But I sometimes host those. Um, which is cool to see people in the legal profession sort of having a go. And, um, I mean, they pay a lot better than regular comedy gigs. So I'll take that. It's less, like the audience is less drunk because it's 7am yeah. in the morning yeah. and it's a breakfast yeah. event, but um, way more money. So, yeah. Oh, I just get it. <laughs> so, just um, take it, yeah. Speaking of like how that's how you got into comedy, um, do you remember your first uh, gig and what the venue was? Yes, um, I my first ever gig was I, don't, I think the room doesn't even run anymore. It was just an open mic room, and they would put like fifty five people on the lineup. Like anyone who signed up would do it. So the the night would go for like four or five hours, and I had gone a couple of weeks in a row to watch this like pretty bad open mic comedy with two of my uh, friends who are both guys. And we were like, okay, this is bad. Like, sh- look, come on, we should have a go doing this. And so we all agreed to sign up. And then the week after I came back, they came back. But both of them bailed. And then I ended up doing it. Yeah. And then and it didn't go terribly. It was only like four minutes or something. So I was like, oh. and then I just kept doing it. So it's weird. We all three of us were going to do it. And then they pulled out. But I think I saw, I saw someone do maybe one of the most offensive open mic sets I've ever seen about like homeless people. And I thought, you know what? I think I can do better than this. <laughs> like, I don't need to be a little bit better and it'll be fine. So, yeah. Go watch bad over my comedy. That will encourage you to give it a go. Oh, whenever you go to those kind of underground gigs, there's always that one person and it's just, it gives the, the rest just that extra bit of confidence. Like, okay, totally. I may suck, but I won't be as bad as he. <laughs> Correct. That's all life is, you know? I may suck, just not as much as this person. Yeah. <laughs> Well, doing a bit of research, I hear that you have trained in both clown and character with Felipe Goya in Paris, as well as performing improv with the Second City and Improv Olympic in Chicago. How was all of that for an experience? Did you manage to at least improvise taking out a gold medal at the Improv Olympics? <laughs> I wish, God, imagine if there was an, we're probably going to have an improv team at the Olympics in like I think 10 it's, years. Uh, it's due for one. <laughs> 
Two for one, yeah. Definitely. Uh, um, that was an interesting experience. I'd actually just spent, uh, basically, I moved between cults. I did drama school for a year, hated that. Then I did clown school, improv. Then I ditched that. Then I went to law school. So, you know, I just moved between cults is essentially what I do. Yeah. Um, clown school, I actually loved. Um, I met Tom Walker, who's a comedian in Sydney oh, yeah. there. Um, and I, yeah, I, I found it really useful. I know a lot of people hate it, but the guy is really mean who runs it. And I found that, I think it's like an open mic in that they don't laugh unless it's funny. So you, if you're not being funny, you need to do something different to be funny. And then I went to America and they're just so ridiculously positive and delusional. I was like, this is too much. So um, then I got into stand up, which I think is a nice happy medium between the two. Well, the yeah. silence is deafening at times, especially. In yeah. Yes, but that's what I like. You know, I don't. I don't want pity laughs. I want. I want it to be a real well, laugh. It's, it's the brutal <laughs> reality of it, I guess, as well. Yeah. So I being guess, a yeah. being a comedian and a performer, and having the privilege of touring all around Australia and the world, performing to different people in front of different cultures, and seeing all of these extraordinary venues and attractions, was there ever a time when there was a gig that you had done that absolutely went pear shaped? or received any notable heckles from the crowd? Um, I had a weird gig in Sydney once where my partner, like I said, he's Indian. So he's like a massive Indian family. They came to see my show one night and because they're so like such a large family, they were like over half of the audience, um, which definitely changed the vibe because I think in, in the set I was doing at the time, I had some jokes about being single before I got into the fact that I was dating. So they're just sitting there going like, what the fuck? I thought you was dead. Anyway, so that was, yeah, <laughs> felt like I was performing stand-up in a living room for like his family. But uh, apart from that, it's mostly been, yeah, I've, I've certainly had some shockers, but most of them are all right. Yeah. Come. What about like heckles from the crowd? Like, have you had any notable hecklers? Heckles? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I haven't had anything that exciting. I've definitely had... People like whistle or whatever when a woman comes on stage, but then I start talking and they're like, eh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like they, yeah. And sometimes if you're the only girl on a lineup, I feel like they can be like, oh my God, it's a girl. But generally once you get into the jokes, it's fine. I did have a guy on the weekend, I was at the comedy store last week and he had been a, a little bit of a douche to a bunch of the acts and had been calling out. And then when I was on stage, he didn't call out, but he had his feet like on the stage. Well, yeah. um, so I did I did sort of rip into him for that because yeah. I was like, you're the sort of person who like you you come and your girlfriend doesn't, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so um so I don't think he liked that, but I I, I love I enjoy a heckler, you know? I mean, it's so funny when um they do like try and attempt to heckle like to get their fifteen seconds of fame. And then when they actually get caught out by the comedian upstage, they yeah. just remain silent. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and they think they think it's something witty in their head to yell out. Yeah. It's like we do something witty and then then bombed like multiple times at lots of different open mic rooms until yeah. it's funny. So it's like if I think hecklers should start trying their heckles at open mic rooms, really developing it, you know, and then maybe they might stand a chance. <laughs> a new little career, professional heckler. <laughs> there we go. Yep. So I love to tell people the story about how I fell in love with comedy as my love of comedy and the live arts literally came out of nowhere from a spontaneous choice I made going to my first live comedy festival gig back in 2016. 
I have no expectations or knowledge of the arts itself. And therefore I'm always interested and curious in asking people like yourself about how they got into or fell in love with comedy. So Floyd, how did you get into the live arts and comedy in particular? Was it something that just came about out of nowhere like you did with me? Or was it always something you had aspired or had in the back of your mind when one day you just said, right, how about we actually give this a go and let's see where it takes me? Yeah, I was always into comedy. I think it stems from my parents were really ill-suited. So there was a lot of tension in their relationship. And so I would diffuse it by making jokes. Um, and then they broke up and then they similarly got into bad relationships again with new people. So I continued to make jokes. So I think it, it stemmed from that. And then when I was maybe in, in high school, I did like these talent quests and all I wanted to do was be funny. I could never understand why people like actually wanted to sing really well or like dance really well. I was like, don't you just want to laugh? Um, so yeah, always, always obsessed with it, but didn't get into stand up till I was a bit older. Just, I, yeah, I think I thought, I thought you had to be like a character to be funny. I didn't realize that you could be funny as yourself. So it took me a while to work that out, but yeah, always, always obsessed with it. How about writing? Writing, I don't know if I was always obsessed with, um, but I am obsessed with it now because it totally transforms your show, your jokes. And it, it's an art, like you have to work at it. Like I, I've gotten so much better at joke writing just by doing it every day, forcing myself to write jokes. And like, they are not all good, but you just get better at like the craft of writing a punchline and, and coming up with things that are surprising, but still funny and true. Um, so yeah, I feel like I've got, I've, I I practice writing and I do really love it now, but I don't, I don't know if I loved it as a young kid. <laughs> It's probably too distracted by other things. Yeah. All right. Time for the big one. Being a New Zealander living in Australia, cookie time cookies or Tim Tams? Ooh. Um, I know. I oh, said that's time. really hard. I think I probably would go for cookie time cookies just because I've got a soft spot for it. And yeah. Tim Tams, there's now like 5 million flavors, whereas cookie time is like just classic. Um, it's, it's very New Zealand to be like, we've got one flavor and that's it. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like Tim Tams, they're taking the piss. They've tried too many different flavors. It's a bit like Kit Kat going on now. They got about 50 to 70 flavors, international as well. Yeah, no, I think just be good at one thing. You don't need to, yeah, transform yourself into 50 different flavours, yeah. Like I always say, if it's not broken, why fix it? Yes, agreed. Okay, well, who would you say is your favourite comedian? Oh, um, that's so hard. I have so many. I think in Australia, I'm a massive fan of Anne Edmonds. Yeah. She was actually one of the first, like, Australian comics that I went and like saw her hour show and was like oh my god I, I really want to do this um not that I'm doing what she's doing she's so great um but I think internationally I'm a big fan of um I love Ali Wong love Amy Schumer I may be controversial but I I'm a big fan of Ricky Gervais I used to love watching the um the British office and stuff yep. so yeah big fan well, if you could recommend two comedians, one being an Australian and the other being an international, for someone who isn't into comedy in order for them to get into comedy, who do you reckon you choose? Okay, for international, I'm going to recommend 
uh, Taylor Tomlinson, who's this like American comic. Her first special is on Netflix. Her second special comes out next week. And her jokes are just so tight. She's also like 25 or 26, which is just ridiculous. Uh, and she's so good. So definitely watch her on Netflix if you haven't. And for Australian, oh my gosh, there's so many good ones. Uh, like I said, Anne Edmonds is probably one of the best, but also um, for like a young sort of comic who's doing great slick jokes, Becky Lucas is one of my favorites as well. Definitely, definitely an up and coming as well. Okay, so, and before we wrap things up, was there any quick cheeky plugs that you wanted to shout out? Um, just for my Melbourne show that if people can come, it opens on the 31st of March, goes to the 24th of April. I'm at Melbourne Town Hall in the backstage room. So it's right in the hub, easy to find. I'm on quite early, 6, 10 PM. So you can see me, then you can go see Ursula or some, someone more famous than me. Um, but yeah, treat me, my show as an entree, you know, you need it, get it, treat yourself. Um, and it's on every night of the festival for the whole month, apart from Monday nights. So yeah, please come along, get your tickets. Perfect. And you can see Floyd Alexander Hunt, one woman show, Holly Strung, live later this month at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from Thursday the 31st of March, right up to Sunday the 24th of April. Then at the Perth, Sydney and Brisbane Comedy Festivals throughout the month of May. Also, for more updates on Floyd Alexander Hunt, be sure to follow her on their socials at Floyd Alexander Hunt on Instagram and Girl Called Floyd on Twitter. Floyd, thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And all the best for your upcoming runs. And I hope to see you there and maybe catch up for a drink afterwards. Sounds great. No worries. Thank you.